Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. Thank you for joining us once again. We do appreciate you listening every week that you do tune in, wherever you are, on your commute, exercising, driving, wherever that is. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for your feedback on last week's episode with uh, Blakey and Rocket. And this week, it's only appropriate that we bring the Rocket Man back. Probably going to be one of his favorite weeks of the year in PGA Tour golf. Yes, it was the week that we saw the return, the resurgence, made a couple of cuts and got on the winner's podium. Brooks Kepka. So Rocket is on the other side of the music here, firing and raring to go. He's been on the Twitters, he's been on the Instas, he's been in everyone's ear about his uh, prowess of the of the Brooks man, and he loves him. So let's find out a little bit more about Brooks's win and Rocket's love for the Brooks right after this. Rocket, how are you? Welcome back to another episode of the My Love of Golf podcast where it's the time of the week where you feature the Roscoe and Rocket episodes which uh, keep growing in momentum. People do keep listening to us, mate. I don't know why, but uh, they keep tuning in. They keep giving us feedback saying, waiting for Rocket's tips, and his tips came good. Pretty happy about that, aren't you? It's alive. <laughs> it's alive. No, it's alive. The beast is alive. What movie is that from? Frankenstein. Oh, there you go. Sorry. Yeah, naive uh, non-movie watcher here. But um, there you go. He is the beast and he is alive. Uh, two weeks uh, of miscuts and some form of a, a bounce back. It, it wasn't just a bounce back. It was a it had momentum. It had style, had grace. Uh, it had a bit of a steamrolling effect at the end. And uh, I think he got back to scaring people out of it. Yeah. Started off nice and easy, just a good solid round under the belt on Thursday. Just rolled out another one on Friday and then Saturday. He was sort of lurking just below the surface and he's back nine. He's rattled off a heap of birdies late in his round to sort of put himself just a few shots back of the Spieth train and the driver doper. Well, and everyone, everyone was excited for Sunday. Everyone was all pumped about Spieth. They were all lathering and slobbering over the possible, you know, reincarnation of the chosen one. But the beast will lay awake. <laughs> now, let's, uh, well, this is a great intro and a prelude to what we said we'd do at the start of uh, the year when we reformatted the Roscoe and Rocket podcast at uh, well, we sort of get there, but sometimes we miss uh, calling out the segments. Let's start with Rocket's Radar. We still haven't got your theme tune in, but let's 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 let me try. Let's go to Rocket's Radar. <laughs> yeah, you like? Oh, hold on, hold on. There we go. Rocket. Let's go to. Let's try that again. Let's go to Rocket's Radar. Uh, that's as good as theme tune as music as we're going to get. But um, yes, Rockets Radar. I, I'm, I'm only going to suggest that it's going to feature uh, Brooks talk, Brooks love, your love of Brooks. Um, yep. Really going down yep. that. Yep. Like it's all coming out. It's all going to spill. The Brooks love was very strong this week. The force was very strong. The universe is is coming back to what it should be. 
he's had an amazing week. You think about the year, the 12 months that he's had, he admitted that he was even concerned and went in some dark places because he's worried about his knee. Would he ever be the same ever again? He's split from Joey D, so his trainer. He's split from his coach, which only sort of come out recently, which actually became official three days after DJ winning the Masters. They actually used to share the same coach, Ben Claude Harmon. That, that surprised me. That that that, that surprised me. I, I, I didn't – not that I'm – I don't know why it surprised me, but, you know, like the Harmon family – Claude Harmon has a great reputation as a coach and as a as, a, as much of a, a mental uh, ally to, to to a lot of these players. Been with Brooks right from the start. Yeah, like he's sort of like a father figure in many respects, and so that surprised me. But did, do you have any insight into why what happened there? No, it could be one of those things where he's like, do you know what? Um, if you've, you know, it probably used to be a bit more sort of balanced in terms of the relationship, but maybe. Maybe it become a little bit more DJ centric. Who knows? And that may not be any fault of Claude's. It's just the way it is. And there also might be. I'm pretty sure them. I think everyone assumed that because Brooks and DJ would do gym work together and they shared the same trainer and they shared the same coach that they were mates. I actually don't think they're even close. Um, um, because uh, they're, they're definitely different cats completely, and. Yeah, we'll call it a surprise, but at the same time, he's he's always probably just looking at Gunch and oh, I need to probably do something different. He's not going to change his swing. He just probably needs another set of eyes to be a bit more focused on him. Um, so, and then on top of that, he's he's finished twenty twenty wasn't great. He's done a lot of rehab. He comes back in his first two tournaments and he was quite terrible, really. He's missed two cuts and. It was just one of those things where, you know, and that message I sent to you, which I've posted after the world, I just had this feeling. It's like, you know, it's the waste management open. He's missed two cuts in a row. He's going to be mad. He's not going to miss another cut. And it's like, it's almost like he's going to tap into some happy hunting ground there and he's going to find something because the other thing as well, and we'll get on to this other event at some point, is there was a heap of talent that had taken the blood money and gone to the Saudi Saudi Open. Um, so the field was a little bit weakened. So it was just perfect. It was just prime, like, um, killing fields for him. And just seeing him build on his rounds, and I'm like, he just needs to get somewhere near it. And he will, he will, he will finish this thing off. And then what made it even better is that it's on Super Bowl. It's on the, on, it's at the, he finishes his round. The Super Bowl starts. Have a guess who's in a Super Bowl ad? Brooks. Brooks and Jenner. Brooks and Jenner in a Super Bowl ad and being direct, that was directed by Spike Lee. Like, who's in a better life than this dude? It's amazing. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's so good. It's, so, it's, it's good to see him back. It's good to see him, like, like you know, I make the jokes about, you know, the only events that he wins are the ones that matters, and that's majors. But just getting a win under his belt, right? It's just like just finding that self-belief in, in yourself again. All the work that you've put in with rehab and all that sort of stuff and just going, do you know what? Split with my trainer. I split with my coach. And it's just self-belief. And um, that's more important than anything, like believing in yourself to get it done. And he got it done. So, yeah. you know. I, I think if you asked him, and you know, we'll never get the chance, Rocket, but uh, 
you know, if you asked him to rank wins that matters, I'm pretty sure that he'd rate this one reasonably highly uh, in the big sphere of his career thus far of just getting back on track after, you know, maybe not his first ever derailment, but, you know, his first little wobbly patch for a, ver- a variety of reasons. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I've already made one big call this this year. Oh, let's hear it. And that was that was with that was with obviously the he's gonna win. We'll look back on this win as the catalyst for what is going to be twenty twenty one. I believe that Rooks will return with a vengeance to the major championship winning uh, podium and more than once. Wow, that's a big call. Uh, speaking of action, have you? Do, are you going to get some action on that? Have you laid out any odds on taking any odds on those sorts? Of, of have. <laughs> okay. Well, you I've, did, I've, I've I've taken I've taken some of the uh, the accumulated funds that I've uh, that that I extracted from his win at the uh, the wasted open. And I've laid it into um, what he's going to do in the majors. Well, very good, and I believe that you did okay. I just we just hope uh, that our friend of the podcast, the the uh, man that reaches out to you for some tips, some inside information, some knowledge, some inspiration, on I pass them on. I pass them on. I do hope the man didn't waste an opportunity because Brooks, like you, don't get opportunities like this when you've got a player like this, and they're going into an event. And he was at 40 to 1. Mm. 4 0. He was not the favorite, not even close. Mm. And I thought, I have to go on this. I have. This is very rare that you get a chance to just make bank. We should. We should put some money in, and I'm happy to YOLO some money, and that's a term for the young ones to you only live once, uh, Rocket. I picked that up off some of my younger staff and all of this uh, GameStop, you know, BS. That's they've all sort of started walking around, talking around, you know, beating their chest on you. Know, I'm going to YOLO some this. And we should YOLO some money, and I'll, I'll throw it your way, and you can just Brooks it, Brooks low it, Bolo it. You could, you could BK it, BK low it. You've probably be very strategic with our with our with um with this. You can't be reckless. No, no, no. We should do it. We should do it officially. We should. You know how they do those things. You know, like um, you know, the punt of the week type thing. I'm not a yeah. I'm not a I'm not a punter. You know, like I was once involved in uh, a horse uh, racing syndicate with um, uh, a group of guys that I know, a group of guys and girls, and it was more like a social club. And oh, that's that's uh, that is purely only for the social thing. If you're going in there to make money, you might as well just go into your backyard with a bag full of cash and just throw some lighter fluid on it and throw some matches down. Well, the thing was, it was it was exactly that, and. It was all the contributions uh, went towards going to a day at the races at Flemington, and uh, me, the non-drinker of the twenty-five odd people, I I, saw you coming. (laughs) Exactly right. (laughs) I was had. I was had of the highest order. Geez, we need someone to drive drive the uh, the Mercedes back from. You want a part of this horse? Exactly right. Oh, Ross doesn't drink. Let's get him involved. Um, no, it was it was good fun. Uh, I learned a little bit about horse racing, which I had absolutely zero knowledge of. Um, but my my betting pro- uh, prowess is limited, and you know I like to hand over responsibility uh, to people who have uh, better skills, better knowledge, better aptitude at doing such things. So why don't we set a, a little kitty up, Rocket? If you're happy to administer such kitty, uh, I can transfer that and uh, and uh, and let's just see how we go. 
You can you can give me you can here, here's a challenge. You can set me a, a challenge. You can say you bet on this, and you've got five bucks or whatever it is, and you can take the big. You can do the big stuff. That's fair. Sounds like it could be a plan. Okay. As long as you can place them, because I don't even know how to place a bet on these modern betting apps and, you know, sports bet and Ausbet and Ladbrokes and points bet. I met some people from points bet the other day, Rocket. They're doing pretty well. They're doing, the, the, I think this betting game's a thing. Oh, of course it is. House wins. Okay, we should. I'm not a big advocate for gambling and stuff like that. I, okay. I, I, I think I'm a bit more of a shits and a giggles person than a. Okay, well, good. I'm happy with that. Punter. Anyway, we dig- we digress. So anyway, we'll do that. Um, so you tipped over to Scotty Jamison. Hopefully, that Scotty Jamison got on, and uh, hopefully, Scotty Jamison gets on this podcast with us at some stage and just gives you the credit where credit's due. Um, <laughs> but let's. Talk a bit more about Brooks uh, in Rockets Radar. Um, you know, so equipment change. It looked like his equipment was stinking there for a bit, but now all of a sudden the Shrix on ZX7s are looking pretty good. I'll tell you where, yeah. they, I'll tell you where they are from looking. The Mizuno, move from the Mizunos to the Shrixons. I'll tell you where they are looking pretty good. You cannot buy a Strixon ZX7 in Australia for love nor money at the moment. You, you go and order one of these sets that uh, so many people players have jumped into wonderful reviews wonderful product you can't you can't order a set until april they're good looking bats oh they're good looking gloves um but you can't get a set until april and i think uh, every time that someone like brooks who isn't getting paid doesn't endorse them um doesn't speak on behalf of every time someone something like that happens whoop, you know, go and yolo on some sumitomo industry stocks and see if they go up on the, on the back of the Brooks, the Brooks Avalanche. Um, yeah. So, so Brooks, he's changed his equipment and, he, and he's won. Um, it was a steamrolling win. What else? You know, it, it, let's play. Let's play what I thought was a pretty significant moment in the whole juncture. Let's see if I can get this going. It's there, he's going to have to bump this into the slope in front of him. Try and judge the kick. Judge that. Kepka vaults into the lead. Something strange always happens here at 17. And I guess, well, that's not so strange. It's pretty- there you go. That Was that two of my favourite ever voices uh, of uh, uh, NBC commentary there? Oh, I love the ferret. He's great. And was that the, uh, the IBF beside him? I think so. Yeah. I think so. It's good to hear David Ferretti. He's, he's, oh, he's had a bit, oh, bit I of, love the man. He's, he's had, a weird unit, but he's funny. Did he get shunted from what he was doing, get kicked off uh, Golf Channel or something like that recently? Did he? No, his show, they ended his oh, show. Right, oh, I think he just ran out of good people and he's starting to, the people that he was getting on the show, they're a bit, bit show average. Okay. So yeah, the, the early, early days of some of the people that he had on there were quite good and I think he just ran out of good people. Mm. Okay. Okay, well, it's a hard gig interviewing people. I know that, and it, it does take a bit of work uh, rounding people up. If you if you are out there and you want to be on the Mile of Golf podcast, and a, a couple of people have reached out that I put that offer out to people that I you wouldn't know, people I wouldn't know, but I believe that they've got a a golf story to share, and that's what the Mile of Golf podcast is. You don't have to be the captain of Melbourne City or a State of Origin player or 
blah, blah, blah. Um, you can be anyone. If you want to talk about golf passionately, you are here. You can join us and you can have this format to share your passions with the people that do listen. You, me, your mum, my dad and a couple of other I people think, we know. I think I've got some mates. A couple of people in Tasmania that listen. And mm-hmm. so we're up to about six or seven people that listen there. There's another, I definitely there's a couple of guys in Scotland that listen. I know that for a fact. Um, and the guy I played golf with uh, two weeks ago, I put the podcast on the speaker because he didn't know what a podcast was. So I said, <laughs> look, have, I'll find one for you. Have a listen to this. <laughs> I was playing it on my uh, Bushnell wingman. Um, great. <laughs> yeah, so he listens as well. Um, if you do listen, thanks. Drop us a review and a subscri- subscribe. Like and subscribe. Yep. Like, subscribe and share. Uh, so that was on 17 on the final day. Was that not Rocket, that uh, little piece of audio? Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit, it is a big hole, uh, 17, at the Waste Management TPC Scottsdale. What, what, what are some of the things that you recall that have happened on 17 uh, over the, ter- the time in that tournament? Oh, it's either just people just hit – it's either dramatic things where it's dramatic eagles or, you know, birdies or someone hitting it in the water. Um, you know, because you think about it, you go 15, 16, 17, 18, it's just such a really great stretch of holes for finishing – and usually it's really tight there. So you're going to get tight finish or a playoff generally. 15 being the par five with the second shot over water. 16 being the the uh, the stadium hole. And then you go, obviously 17, they, they put the tees up. So it's in that drivable distance. And it's it's at that distance where do you take driver? Do you take three wood? You know, do you try and hit a soft driver? Do you have to hit a hard three wood? So you're putting, putting players under under pressure and then 18 is just a, a possible birdie opportunity. So the fluctuations in those last four holes can be quite quite actually dramatic. Um, and he was just clutch. You know, he, he still left himself makeable birdie chance on the last, which he didn't make. But, you know, he's he just kept just climbing up the leaderboard and people underrate his short game, especially, you know, I've seen what it's like in majors and it's clutch. So him making a chip like that, I'm not surprised. And it was just one of those things where he was, you know, maybe it was the people seeing Brooks climb the leaderboard and they hadn't seen him for a while. Maybe there, maybe there was an intimidation factor because if you look at all the other players that were thereabouts, especially with like nine holes to play, they could not have thrown up on themselves anymore. All of them. Xander, Spieth, um, Jay, you know, Han, Han's super dry, we should call him, because he was, he just went, he, he was on fire and he had like a two shot lead. And then it's almost like he must have looked at the leaderboard and went, oh, oh, oh whoops, threw up all over himself and then fell down. Um, Scotty Scheffler was, you know, had opportunities and just blew them. Um, the Mattress King was thereabouts. You know, so there's heaps of players that had opportunities and they just they just threw it up. You know, Spieth was I, I put I wouldn't put Spieth in there because, you know, the fact that what he did on Saturday was just amazing for golf. It was probably some of the best it was the best TV on one day and one round ever because it was like everyone remembering what Jordan Spieth was and he figured it out. He must have had at least a couple of drums of duct tape on whatever it was, whether it be his swing or his inside his head, but it's almost like he'd found himself again. 
he lost himself again a little bit on the on on Sunday because he's in the lead. But to his credit, he dug deep and and he finished strong. So he still finished tied for fourth. Um, so hopefully he's found something. We, I'll digress a little bit, but no, no. Well, Spieth, we'll, Spieth on Saturday was what golf needed for its soul, based on the rubbish that happened the week before. Mm. Yeah, because he is one of the poster boys of everything that every mother and father wants their golf, yep. golfing kid to be. And he's, uh, he's, and he's also, he's not a long driver. Yeah. He's just very good at golfing his ball. He's very animated and, and emotive. And some people take that the wrong way. Um, but he's just, he's just really good at golf. He's such a likable person and he, he's relatable. He's actually relatable to people. Yeah, well, he's not had a great time of it. And as golfers, you know, we can relate to periods of not having great times of it. And as golfers, we can realise, uh, relate to pe- to having a bit of a comeback and a bit of a win and hopefully sustaining that. And, and that's the sort of confidence that we all sort of take from the game and try and, you know, build on week in, week out when we turn up every Saturday or Wednesday, whenever it is that you play. And I think, you know, if you look at the world of... Uh, golfing Instagram and Twitters and as we do and as we sort of follow religiously, there was a lot of love for for the man, a lot. Oh, huge, huge, and rightfully so. Yeah. It's just, it was just good. It's good. Now, um, you mentioned his mental game and maybe had some duct tape on or you maybe, you know, wasn't hearing, there was no crowd to hear or get inside or whatever, but you mentioned his mental game. This is an opportunity for me to talk about the wonderful new program from Inside Golf Academy uh, launched by Jamie Glazier last week, the art of the pre-shot routine. Now, this is the course that everyone's been waiting for, uh, the course where you can listen to some very short and succinct um, video instruction from Jamie, and Jamie is the coach of a number of winning players on the amateur level and also European tour level, be it Lucas Herbert, Ryan Ruffles, Gabby Ruffles, high-calibre players. He's in the States at the moment coaching all of those guys. Um it's JD. Jump on to the Insight Golf Academy. That's I N C I T E Golf, or one word, Academy, and uh, and go and buy the the course on uh, the art of the pre-shot routine. It is quality stuff. I helped Jamie write some of the some of the supplementary information. Certainly not taking any credit for the course at all, but I just helped write it and put it up onto the interwebs and and do that sort of part of it. And doing that, I get to watch the videos, I get to listen to the videos, I get to absorb the videos, and therefore I get to do essentially the course for free. And I played last week, uh, Rocket. I haven't played a lot of golf, as everyone knows that listens to this and as you know. And it made a difference. It made it definitely made a difference. I had 35 points on the south uh, course at PK, and I had a couple of wipes, so there was a couple of little blowouts. First hole, cold, 7.30 in the morning. Um, but then I had one bad drive, but the rest was pretty good, some birdies, and it felt great. Now, name drop of the week, what did feel great um, we talked about name dropping. Um, I will here. Here is the name drop of the week for me. That's not an official segment of the Roscoe and Rockets, but it is something that I tend to want to do. Um, Sam Doherty, captain, the skipper, not the, the doc, the leader. I haven't uh, played with him for a while. He is the leader of uh, our AFL, one of our AFL football teams here in yeah. Vic, Vic, Carlton, Victoria. If you're listening from uh, overseas, it's AFL and uh, the Navy Blues, uh, Carlton, very traditional team. Uh, one of the long-held Melbourne teams. 
lot of a lot of supporters, a lot of passion. And Sam Doherty is one of the most loyal leaders of that club uh, in the in the you know recent future. Had a cancer scare at the end of last year, um, Rocket, as everyone knows. And it was great to get Sam back out on the course and have a round with him. He was in great form. He was happy. He looked as fit as I've ever seen him. I've been playing golf with Sam for a few years now, and you know he just legs and he's. Uh, He's got the best. He's a running beast. Could have the best calves in a in a yeah, because he's a running machine. In a man, he's a that running I've ever seen. machine. He's a running machine. The only people at that at that football club that will beat him on the track when it comes to time trials and stuff like that um, were the Kerno brothers. Mm. But if you talk about mental uh, ability and mental uh, overcoming adversity, Sam Doherty with two knees and now a cancer scare, uh, coming back from that. You, you, Hard as a cat's head. You you have to be a special man and uh, just hang around with your mate. We don't talk about football. We just talk about golf and just enjoying stuff and it was great to see him back. Um, but anyway, Insight Golf Academy, Jordan Spieth. A lot of love for Jordan Spieth, hopefully. Do you, do you hope that he can sustain that? Do you hope that this is a, a turnaround point for Jordan? Yeah, I want him back contending and being near the top. I know I make a lot of jokes about stuff, but that's what I do. You have, um, you have forecast him to drop out of the top 1,000 golfers in the world before. Oh, he nearly – if he – I think if he'd missed the cut this week, he would have dropped out of the top 100. Mm. Long time since that happened. Very long time. Um, yeah, so what, I, I still think it's – look, he's got flaws in his technique and his swing, just straight up. Um. I actually think his biggest flaw is in his head and because he's, he's so passionate about stuff and he, he, he kind of, it's almost like he gets wrapped up and, and one of the other podcasts I listened to and it was um, uh, Solly from No Laying Up and he talked about, you know, maybe he needs to stop thinking about the result and just start thinking about the process and that means just trying to put a good swing on it. Regardless of the result, it's almost like going out to play and just, you know, it, it's you're trying to do everything you can to put a good swing on it and that's all you're thinking about. I'm just going to make a good swing. I'm just going to make a good swing. The result is irrelevant. The result is irrelevant because then you, you can see him with a driver and he, he, he gets just sideways. He's lost everything with it. He, he doesn't, he was never an accurate driver. He was just accurate enough. But the thing is, though, when you are really loose and you have no idea where it's going, um, you're relying so much on your scrambling ability to keep you in the game. Like people, if they go back and watch, he finished third in that 2019 PGA to DJ and um, and Brooks, which Brooks won. That was on the back of his putter and his short game. He was hitting it everywhere on one of the longest courses on the planet. But the thing is, though, he just the eyes out of it. Um, so, and, and he's a good ball striker. So he just needs to get it in the fairway. And that's it. So whatever's got, I've always said, it's like whatever's in his head, he just needs to try and clear that with the driver and find some confidence. That, that's what I think. He, he swings unique. Did, Don't try and change anything because you're just going to break stuff. I haven't, just, I haven't seen what's in the bag for uh, Jordan Spieth for a while, but did, do you happen to notice what's in what driver he is using? Is he is he going back to like an old nine one five or a nine one seven, or is he using the new? No idea. 
he he would probably be the type of person that would might change around a little bit. Mm. Although you know a lot of his equipment looks pretty much sort of the same as what he's been using for the last sort of five or so years. Um, you know, I, I just I, me I just want him to find some confidence in the driver, being able to drive the golf ball, being able to stand up there and go, Do you know what, I can swing at this one, and I'm not scared about it. Because once he finds that again, if he just gets it in the fairway. Him with irons and short game and putting, he's you – know, we talk about Webb Simpson in terms of being the best person from three-wood down. I think Jordan Spieth would intend to raise a bar on that one, especially when it comes to short game and flat stick. Uh, if we're talking equipment and wondering what driver he had in the bag, if anyone's interested at the 28-minute mark uh, this week, I have hit and seen the new Sim 2 – Product, I have hit and seen the new. Oh, books. You had that in the bag. The new Cobra Rad Speed product. I've hit and used the new Callaway Epic, uh, Epic Speed product, and I've also got in the bag at the moment the new TSI Titleist. And cheapest. It's uh, it's no wonder that uh, you know the topics of rollbacks and. Because these things are phenomenal. These are phenomenally easy to hit. They go wonderfully long distances. They're all great products in their own rights, and it's hard to separate each one of them. They've all got great tech. Uh, not cheap these days. They're all up around that $800 mark. Um, but it's a great time to be buying golf clubs because uh, there's so, so much to choose from, so many great ones to choose from. Um, so anyway, that was another sort of a name drop. Uh, but if anyone's interested in hearing about those products, well, we've definitely got uh, Chandler Carr coming back on to the podcast uh, yep. maybe next week uh, to talk about the new Sim2 family, Sim2 Max, uh, Sim2 uh, Irons, hybrids, uh, the new Millgrind Hito wedges, um, a whole heap of stuff coming out from TaylorMade, as everyone knows. Well, Chandler and I had maybe two hours uh, the other day um, talking about it and so we'll probably chop that up into a couple of episodes but Chandler's just you know not a greater a greater man not a greater golf geek you will you will ever meet and he will just talk and uh, it's just it's it's great to sit on the other phone uh, other side of the phone and just uh, listen um, but if you want to hear about the other ones let me know and we can see what we can arrange I've definitely got uh, definitely got some people lined up to talk about the others but um, we might we might see uh, I've got my, my flight scope uh, Mevo plus working too uh, rocket <laughs> I was down the range. You should come down the range and have. Yeah, we'll put those uh, 1975 uh, blades that you've got that we need to update at some stage. We'll put them on the on Titleist, the Titleist 710 MBs. We'll put the 17, circa 2010. We'll put the 710 MBs on the uh, on the launch monitor and get some data, and we'll show the differences between some old and new. What do you reckon? Washer oh, won't matter. Yeah, I know it doesn't matter for you, but I guess it's going towards one of the things. And now, is it? Actually, I do you know what I reckon. My irons would, ne- my clubs would nearly qualify for the uh, Vin- be eligible for the uh, the Southerly Buster Southerly when Buster. we have it back. I, I might not have to change anything. <laughs> I've got some new ones coming. I've got some uh, Ben Hogan radials uh, coming. Um, there's not time for Rockets uh, review yet, but let's just. I know you don't want to, you don't want to talk about it because you know as a humanitarian as someone who is cares for the community and cares for people and cares for the things that happen in the world you're not a fan of the saudi regime that's what they are widely known as a regime um 
you're not a fan of the sorts of sort of money that they pay uh, people to come and play at their event to put that uh, part of the world on the on the map, and that's what they do. And you can see by the field what they've done, and they can create. And you know, the unfortunate thing is, you know, it's a golf event. Um, it, it's it's yep. fairly reasonable. You know, they play in this sort of funky desert course, which is in this new, new part of the world that they're um, trying to build around and create a name for. So, you know, that's what they do. That probably no one else plays golf on for the rest of the year. Yeah, all of that. And it's a desert course. So, you know, we've got two desert courses sort of lined up against each other with um, the best players of the world spanning both. So there's obviously some strategy behind uh, what they do and dragging people across from America to put, you know. Well, that, that, that just... Yeah, well, the uh, the MBS Open, um, you know, they're putting on a lot of money. They're doing whitewashing, whatever they do. And, um, you know, they're throwing a lot of money to get some of the world's best players over there. It's rumoured that, you know, they're spending nearly 40-plus million mm. in appearance fees. Yeah, there's someone like Dustin. He might have collected two million bucks. Yeah, just to just to go there, mm. on top of the check. Yeah, it's, um, not, it's not a bad weekend's work, and that's the figures that I, you know, rumoured heard. You know, those seven figures for some of the operational on. Um, but yeah, so you don't spend a lot of time talking to that. I watched quite a bit of it. Uh, my funny. All I'll say is Dustin Johnson is. He's put a stamp down and just said, "I'm literally the best man on the planet." And if you were to take the last 10 years, sure, Rory's got two more majors. Um, but if you were to just go, who's been the generational talent for the last decade? DJ. I think it's DJ. Easy. If we lined up all of the pundits, uh, and surveyed them, you would probably come out on top, um, maybe a small margin, but you would probably come out on top with that sort of argument. Uh, I don't think that many would disagree. Um, there was, certainly would be some that would go otherwise, but, yeah, but just watching. Well, Rory's 2010 to 2015 hmm. was really, really good. He won all his majors. He was, like, world number one. He was dominating, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then everything is since then he's 2019 was really good. I think the, uh, the Sith Lords gave him the player of the year when should have been Brooks because Brooks won two, only won a couple of majors that year. No, that's not a few second in everything. <laughs> um, yes, you still can't, haven't got over that. No, I, I never will. I <laughs> never will. Um, and apart from that, he's just. I don't know. He's he's frustrating me, and um, and you know I know we'll probably whether it's this episode or another episode talk about the equipment stuff, but you know he came out the other week, and you know I think people misunderstood him um, when he was frustrated and said, you know, they've wasted a lot of money um, on this thing when they could have spent it on grassroots. And it wasn't because he's against it. I think he's wasting saying he, I think his intention, this is my interpretation, is that he thinks they've wasted a lot of money because all they did was come out with a report that said exactly what everyone else has been saying for the last 10 years. Like, well, you know, if it, if it 
looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Well, it's time to move into Rocket before you go already there because I want to call out these segments and we're going to keep doing that. And if oh, we, okay. If we go Not ahead of structure. Yeah, if we go ahead of the head of the ball game, yeah, I'm going to pull it back and just blow the whistle and say, okay, Rocket, it's now time for Rocket's Rear View. <laughs> no, we just had Rear View. Roll on, you mean. No, we heard Rocket. That's Rocket's Rear We've been talking about we've been talking about the Phoenix Open and everything. We talked about the event. We talked about Saudi. It's rear view. The weeks that the weeks that have can just s- gone. Can some what's Rocket's radar then? Well, that's when I talked about Brooks. Brooks and winning, Brooks and the Super Bowl. Oh jeez. Jesus, Rocket. I got got it wrong. Um well we missed that Rocket for review. Um Okay. Roll on. Roll on. We should roll, roll on. Okay, roll roll on. I was going to say about the European tour. The you know the funny the funniest thing that uh, that I took out of uh, the coverage. What's that? Radar Radar Riley continues to crack me up. I, I don't know why. <laughs> he he's tried, a funny he, dude. He's, tried, he's a funny dude, and he says what's on his mind. <laughs> he's a funny dude. He started talking about the chook run. He said, he said "Oh, out, the good old chook runs." <laughs> I, I missed that. And and poor Alison Whitaker had never heard of the chook run, and she must be. Quite a bit younger, younger than us, and um, oh. she'd never heard. She'd heard of the meat raffle, um, but she'd never heard of the oh, the old meat trays. And yeah. uh, and geez, jeepers, you know, I um remember Wednesday twilight, the chook run. There's nothing better. Yeah, I, I, I used to get so excited coming back from school, you know Wednesday night, get off the bus, you know, at uh, Par Rocket House, which was a uh, a small walk from the golf course, and basically run inside, get changed, and bolt down to the course. And then uh, throw the money in, throw the money in the tin. Grab my card. Let's go play the chook run. The freezer at Cessnock Golf Club would just be there'd be a freezer dedicated to frozen chooks, and you know you got the ticket if you got a chook and you just went to the went to the freezer and you pulled out your chook, and there was a, a you know forty five frozen chooks in there. It's great. 75, no. 75 cents to enter. I think it might have uh, got up to a dollar at the height of. Uh, the eighties, the eighties recession the tickets. No, we were playing for them. Yeah, no, like you, like it was a competition, and, and that was yeah, like yeah, a ball yeah, run, yeah, ball run yeah, down, yeah, and, and you yeah. got it. You know, you got the ticket that says, you know, go yeah. and claim your ch- your chook. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's uh might have got up to a buck there in the in the hot in the in the hyper times of the uh, late eighties. So, so good. Nine nine holes on a Wednesday night playing for chooks. So review. So the distance report with us. We started to talk about them with uh, Rory, who you know. You maybe we leave that at the end after the roll on. What do you reckon? Okay, okay. But we'll, we'll we'll cut. But there's only one event this week because no one's playing anywhere. Fair enough. So because we've got um, the uh, AT and T Pro. No am pro minus no am. pro minus no am. am. The only the only am will be seven am tea time. <laughs> am. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder if, uh, if they're playing all three courses though. That's the other thing as well. I uh, don't know. I, I tried to get uh, hold of Big Gordy, Big Gordy G, um, the Big G uh, from the um, heaps of withdrawals too. Heaps of withdrawals. DJ's already pulled out. Must be really tough flying back um, with about three million dollars in a briefcase on a private jet with all your hangers on. Not enough room for the bento box. Okay, wonder, they don't have to quarantine. This is this. It's quite. It's quite interesting what's happening all around the world. Come from Saudi Arabia to the US. 
Yeah, he's, he's probably bringing back a cachet of weapons or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> That's right. Um, no, he probably took them over there. Weapons over there. Okay, so AT and T Pro, no AM minus the AMs. Yeah. Oh, here they go. They're only playing two courses, so they're playing Pebble and Spyglass because there's no amateurs, so they don't have to worry about all the split fields and stuff like that. So they're just gonna. Looks like they might just play. How are they going to do it? They'll probably go two courses. So they must play Spyglass. Hmm, that'll be interesting. How are they going to mix that up? Because usually they play the three, everyone would play the three, and then the fourth round would be purely on Pebble. So uh, they'll have to make it in a way that everyone's played both courses twice. So they might go day one, day two, and then have a cut, and then go. But then that doesn't make sense, unless they go pebble, spyglass, cut. Pebble. Oh, they're going to do a cut after thirty-six holes. Yeah, so they must go pebble, spyglass, and then just do pebble day three, day four. Right. It's got to be great to watch because they're two wonderful courses to uh, watch. I love this event, especially the footy. No, having one first of all, having watched it for so long and wanting to play there, and then having played there. And then having also wished to move there for work a very long time ago, I just it's just a beautiful, beautiful part of the country. It is just, oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, when we can travel, we'll go back there. We'll take this on the road because we do have some friends of the podcast that uh, do work there. The big Gordy from the Real Life Caddy podcast, uh, Glorified Donkey, he is one of the main guys over there. So, um I'm sure that he can sort us out once we once we get over there, Rocket. But uh, we need to get travelling. Uh, but by the way, I'm travelling. Um, I'm going down to your home state next month. You're going down to the Barney Boo-Boos. I'm going down to the Barney Boogles, yes, with uh, <laughs> friends uh, friends of uh, podcast, uh, Mike Caridi. Um, g'day to Mike if you're listening. Thank you. He does listen. He sent me, sent me a picture of uh, him listening in the car, uh, driving on his travels. Uh, the man you need to keep, you need to find, you need to try and get in touch with down there is um, is um, Mr. Anthony Toogood, who's one of the green, head greenkeepers down there. I think he's the head greenkeeper at Lost Farm. Okay, Peter fri- Toogood's son. Are you friends with the uh, Toogoods? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like, like living legends, like kiss the ground they walk on. Well, the golfing and gr- that's not being facetious. Stevie Stevie Smith, the golfing greenkeeper, funnily enough, uh, called me. You know how long it's been since I wanted to go to Barnburgle Rocket. Like my my, sta- my standard joke was, I'm the only man in Melbourne that's never been to Barnburgle. The only golfing man. I was, in- I was the only Tasmanian until recently that never played at Barnburgle. There you go. <laughs> and so, no longer can I um, tell that that uh, bad joke. But we put this trip together, and Mike was very very kind in saying look let's go and i'll look after it and you come not look after it you know he did the organization um and you come i said yep fantastic i mean unfortunately it coincided with the week that alex and i had already uh, decided to have off so i had to reorganize that just juggle some stuff reorganize those commitments and thank you to mrs my love of golf for your understanding <laughs> uh but anyway the within a week like i kid you not within a week i had Three other invites, two other invites to go to Barnburgle. Uh, Petey Hackett, he's got a trip and he was sort of half uh, already going down. And anyway, so that came through. Sorry, Pete, can't go. I'm already going. And then Steve, the golfing greenkeeper, rang and said, Oh, Ross, 
you, you've been to Barnburgle several times, but do you want to come? We've got a spot available. So, well, I've never been. When are you going? Oh, March, the da 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 da. I said, I'll, I'll already be there. Now, the point of me dribbling on with that is he wants to um, he wants to talk to Mr. Too Good. He's the golfing greenkeeper. He is the guy that does the podcast on all things uh, golfing greenkeeper landscape wise. He's going to be the there's same. a there's a man with some stories. Yeah. So I might uh, well, I'll tell him I'd I'd help him sort some stuff out. So we'll do that. Good. Thanks. Excellent. So I'm going to Barn Burgle. So looking forward to reporting back in, on. And that. also in soak in soak in the sports bar um, at Lost Farm. Well. There we go. Maybe that's another reason why I got invited because we're driving across from um, Launceston Airport, and uh, and you know, on the. T- are you staying? you staying there though? Yeah, we're staying there. Yeah, yeah, we're staying there for whatever a couple of nights. But maybe I'm the designated driver again. Oh goodness gracious! No, but there lots that if you are you staying on site or? Yep. You're not driving anyway. No, I know, but from the airport, you know, like some we've got to wait for someone. One of the guys is coming Qantas because some good wineries on the way up. Yeah. So a few of the guys will probably want to smash those on the way through. I don't mind being the driver. I'm I do good at that. Also, there's a good fish and chip place down on down near the um the old bogues down in the wharf. Okay, I'm all in for that. Now uh, we digress. What are, what are we what are we talking about now? Uh, the, are we talking about the distance report or not? Um. We've yeah, I think that I, I haven't seen that the, the players for AT&T haven't quite settled yet. Um, so I don't even know who's going to be the, you know, the form the people. Tip- a lot of the, the top players aren't sort of playing really. Well, by the time that this comes out, you would have had the, time, the chance to digest that. Your tips are good to yeah. uh, the people as long as you put them out onto the Twitters or, or the – Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll probably pump them out on, onto the Instagrams or, yeah. the, or, or the Twitter. I'll do yeah. both, I think. Uh, can everyone jump across and follow Rocket at Infosec Rocket? We need, to, need, we need to bump the followership and the friendship up. So if everyone could uh, throw Rocket a bone and, um, and follow him across there, you'll get a, you'll get a cross-section of um, Rocket's political views. And you'll get a cross section of his golfing views. That, that, that might drive the that might drive the following like yeah. down. And the as long th- as people find the humour in some of it, there's a bit of facetious humour in some of it. You'll get some dry humour, some barbed wit, and uh, and some lawn clippings. It's all thrown in. Mm. Um, so jump over and follow Info Set Rocket if you want to follow me, Ross.Flanagan.Golf. You can do that, and you'll see me posting pictures of golf courses and golf swings. Boring. Um, distance. Distance report. So there's been a few people say a few different bits and pieces around it. Uh, our boy Webb, he, his commentary went down like it. a lead balloon. Yeah, especially while he's wearing a Titleist hat. Mm. So what, like, what, what? Look, here's the thing, right? The, the, most of the professionals are not going to say Jack Diddley that's going to upset the manufacturers. You know, there's a there's a cabal of the manufacturers that, you know, they've put a lot into the game. They put a lot into the R and D and stuff like that, and that's all cool. And you know, a lot of that is helping the the average punter. But when it comes to the professional game, and we can sort of be dismissive of the one percent, go, oh, it's only this one percent. But the thing is, though, what, what I think what's being missed is it's the the reason we're having this conversation is because the the game of golf does not resemble something that is relatable to the average person. And it's not about being the same. It's about, can you relate to some of these things? Right? Seeing someone just smash 300 yard drives all the time. That used to be one of those things where you go, Oh my God, 
that's a 300 yard drive. Like I think back to 1993, John Daly, US Open, the 17th hole at Baltus Roll, which is uphill. It's 630 yards. He's hit driver one iron. So he's hit a driver about 330 yards, which back then people were like, oh, my God, that is so – it's like 40 to 50 past everyone, right? So he's got an advantage. And then he's hit a one iron nearly 300 yards onto this green, and people are like, this is just ridiculous. If it was in this day and age and they played at Baltus Roll, they'd probably they, – one, they'd probably hit the driver. They probably couldn't take driver off there because they'd probably hit it through the fairway. And, um, you know, they're, they're just rendering – they're rendering courses kind of – they're taking away the artistry of the game. And, and what we're losing is we're losing a lot of – we're losing a lot of the characters or the different people or the people that, you know, we used to look, we used to talk about all different shapes and sizes and different types of people would win golf tournaments. That is not so anymore. You know, it seems like unless you smash the gym and you work on your, you, you work on your um, ball, you know, getting your swing speed up to make the most out of your equipment. And then you just work on your wedge game with track man and your putting like, it's kind of it. You can go out on tour and just make a heap of money and that's okay. You can't fault anyone for doing it, but is it a great, is it a great product? Because if you think about just TV, right? The thing is that they talk about the 1% of the players, but the thing is though, it's 99% of the golf community are the ones that are watching golf and they're the hardcore fans. Like the casual watcher is not going to turn on to watch Brooks hit a 300 yard drive. You know, that's not memorable. Like you, you look at Saturday, you look Saturday at the Phoenix, the the Phoenix, what well, used to be the Phoenix open, the, the waste management open. People aren't looking at a highlights reel of Jordan Spieth's drives. It's his putting or his, you know, the highlight of the day was his, you know, 20 footer down the hill to make birdie on 17 to keep his run going. Like it's, or it's, you know, an iron shot he hit into like the tenth, where he's just shaped this one and hit it into a back pin, right? Those sort of things. You know, highlights reel of hitting a three hundred yard drive. Go and look up. Go and look up PGA Tour highlights of a player. How many of those are drives? Very hmm. few of them. All right. So, what's the product? What What are we trying to do here? What's the product? How are we making it so the game's unique characters have a place in the game? You know, that's why I'm I'm kind of disappointed with Webb because if anything, he would actually benefit the most from a from a rollback, you know, yeah. because it means that he you know, he doesn't have to be the best driver on the planet. So that means all the things that he's really good at can shine through on a course or in an event. You know, I actually think I actually think um you know, I talked about obviously Rory post 2015 equipment in the last five years has, has basically leveled the playing field for all golfers. Like there is no fear with a driver and it's not like the old days where the club was a bit smaller and, you know, you're on a, t- uh, a hole and you might be under pressure and you go, do you know what? I'm going to hit a three wood up there because I want to hit the fairway. It's, it's actually probably easier to hit a fairway with a driver than it is a three wood. So why not just hit the, hit the driver and smash it? And if it's a little bit wide, you're, you're so much closer. Um, 
So the advantage that the likes of Rory and Adam Scott had is probably two of the greatest drivers of the golf ball, and even to an extent Tiger Woods as well, the equipment has rendered their advantage null and void. So I can understand why Rory's actually, he's all for the well, the local rule or the bifurcation because I think he's finally realising that his advantage is gone with driving. So what what are, what did Rory's commentary base? Uh, what was the basis of Rory's commentary? He was just, re- I think he was just angry. They spent a lot of money and time on a report, which everyone knew what the answers were. Yep. Um, and I could understand his frustration. Uh, I, th- but what the USGA and the RNA have done is they've kind of, it's, they're in a, they'd, they'd already let, He'd already let the cat out of the bag, the, the toothpaste is out of the tube, whatever other analogies that we want to use. So they're trying to figure out how do I put the genie back in the bottle? There's another one. Um, so they've written a report which basically said we're going to be open to all sorts of ideas and they just put in a absolute ton of ideas. And sneakily enough, the very last page of um, the report was one that was in it. Um, one from the PGA Tour, which basically said we're going to make an, a commitment to, you know, for the health of the game, work with the USGA on equipment and stuff like that. So it was like a bit of a off the bow. Um, and I think they're just trying to look for, see what, see what the, it's almost like they just threw a grenade out there to see what people will talk about. So what will they say? Is someone going to do something first? What ideas are out there? And they might just pick off a few things. What are the things that may not upset the manufacturers, but at the same time, can they help rein in the game? That's why they put out their potential. Is it a local rule, right? Do we play a different golf ball? Do we do something about the driver? Do we do something about the grooves? Um, Do we do something about the lofts on all sorts of things? Because what it boils down to is the sustainability of the game. And I think Rory's talked about this. Um, it's you can't keep making. Yes, there's the one percent, but then there's there's these golf courses that, unfortunately, when people build a golf course, if they're trying to build it to try and host a PGA Tour event, it's just going to be this big monstrosity. And then what for one once a year? And then why? It's not. It's you, you think of the land that you're going to require, the watering, and all the other st- all the other stuff that goes with the agronomy. The having a, a, a horse like that, it's just not sustainable. Think about the world that we live in. Um, you know, you put aside all the trying to retain classic architecture, but it's just the sustainability. It's not sustainable for the game of golf to build courses like that. And then to grow the game, really to grow the game, you've got to build courses that are fun and they're enjoyable for the average person, but too many are not like that. Far too many are not like that. They're not built like that. We're more of the classic ones are built like that. Mm. And we get to see some of them on tour. Like you look at, um, what's a great example? Um, the Heritage at, um, at Hilton Head, Harbour Town. Short, under 7,000 and it's high and narrow. And you get all sorts of... And Bryson actually contended there the other year, but he wasn't smashing driver. He actually had to golf his 
golf his ball. Here's the thing. He's a really good golfer. Just He just he's exploiting the rules to his advantage and good on him. Did something different and succeeded. Webb's, but, com- Webb's commentary, you know, around, oh, they've got to make us courses with more dog legs and smaller greens and longer rough. You know, that was, was ridiculous. It was stupid. Like, let's call it what it is. It was just stupid. It was one of the dumbest things ever. And it just fed, it fed Brandall Chambly to no end. And I think because I've given him so much crap for the last 12 months on the whole distance stuff. I think he blocked me on Twitter. It's good because I don't have to see his crap. <laughs> blocked by Brandall. You're not the only one, Rocket. Oh, he's so precious. He's so precious. He's flip flopped. He's had more flip flops than a than a than a quicksilver shot. Look, especially I, on distance, it's ridiculous. He's a muppet. I I think that bifurcation could exist, and I don't think it'd be the detriment of the manufacturers selling golf equipment. I think nope. it could. I could think it in many respects could aid the sale of golf equipment for the manufacturers. You know, the these people that you that they pay to represent their brand, they could – doesn't matter what they use. You know, if they're paying them and they've got their brand and their sign on their hat and their sign on their bag and all that sort of thing, you know, there's guys out there still using five- and six-year-old irons, you know, that they won't get rid of. So, Mate. You are, but – I'm I mean, leading the charge. I mean at the tour level, you know, like so, you know, people, yeah. they don't always change, like plenty, plenty do. But I, I think that there could be equipment – and branding opportunities, even in, you know, controlled, in a controlled way at that level. And and if there was any way that they could use what the, the pros do to feed the sustainability, to feed the development of sustainable products that we as amateur golfers can use and benefit from, you know, using different materials. I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm sort of drawing at straws here, but I'm sure that there's a way that they can use, you know, the guys that want to play professionally and make their living from that. You know, they don't want to play with you and I, and they don't want to play in the club comp. And if they do, they can change to the other gear. Um, but if they can, they can do it and make it fun and not make the golf courses that we love and we want to see. You know, like I think a lot of people want to see golf courses set up the way that they want to experience them. They want to – one thing that I want to do when I play a golf course, I want to experience it like the pros did uh, or I want to feel like that, you know. But I, I, I don't think that necessarily when I go and play Royal Melbourne, I, I, I see it any different to when the President's Cup was there. Maybe the greens are a bit firmer and the fairways might be a, a smidgen but There's the perfect example of when you have – and that's the other factor. It's like you've got a classic course that it potentially could be rendered – um, in def- uh, you know, almost defenseless. But the way it gets set up, it means it defends itself in terms of firm and fast. Mm. And sometimes, and and bringing back, bringing back more than the you know, just bash and bash and chase. Like you've actually got to think about your strategy because it's like when the ball hits the ground and it's the run, it's the bounce, it's the there's the elements of hundred percent. Um, there's a bit of luck and stuff involved with that. The rub of the green, um, you know, all those things, and then you know courses that play like that, and then that's how they've been designed. That's that's how they've been designed to defend themselves. It's because of 
it's not because it's thick, rough and dog legs. It's actually firm and fast. And then there's a strategy to it. Like, you know, our beautiful course itself, like it still does my head in on some of the holes and it's not thick, rough or anything like that. It's pure strategy. You get it in the wrong spot. You give yourself a very terrible, terrible opportunity to try and make, ah, you know, less, you know, God forbid trying to think about making a birdie. But that's that's how some of these courses should be played, like US Open courses. Yeah, I understand the US Open one with rough, but that's always been like that. So I've got no problem with that. And I have liked what Mike Davis has done over the years where he's experimented with courses that, you know, a little bit different, the shaved areas. Like, you know, as soon as they started doing shaved areas at Shinnecock, right, that's – he's messing with the things that this course is designed for and – you know, there's no better example of that than like the 11th at um, Chinnacock. So you got the par three up the hill. Back in 95, um, US Open was just surrounded in rough. So if you miss the green, you're just in the rough, right? And you can just hit a little dinky sort of chunk wedge on the green. And even if it runs through, it runs onto the fringe. Go to 2018, the, the left-hand side, it's fully shaved. And then on the other side of the green, it's shaved to the to the, the grass is short all the way to the bunker. So if you missed it left where Brooks did, <clears throat> the chance of you getting up and down from there, you actually almost I think I think his strategy would you know you almost have a very high chance of hitting it into the bunker. There's no chance of you hitting that on the green because he's got to play a chip and run from down the slope. He's actually the court the hole is actually harder by having less rough because that's how it was designed. Like this is the thing that we, I think that gets lost is the, the artistry of what was designed in some of these classic courses is lost because of the way that we seem like it's like we have to have everything green and look green and have thick, rough and lush because it looks great on TV, but it makes for terrible watching. I want to see as golf fans, we do want to see a little bit of carnage. We want to see some artistry. We want to see some creativity. I don't want to see someone just chipping it out of the rough all the time. That's why watching Tory Pines is so hard because there's not a lot to it. I know there's some people that might argue with that, but I, I find it one of the most, more boring events of the year. And, and the, one of the arguments I heard was that, you know, people like Bryson, you know, who are getting slated for, you know, being – um, creators of this distance sort of scenario because they it hit was, it so it, he all he's doing all Bryson sorry to cut you off but all Bryson is doing look I know Bryson is my pet kicking kicking stone um, and I'll lay into that man any chance I can get but when it comes to this um, he can't be singled out no because everyone else has been doing it and all he did was gone you know what for me to actually me to win a major and for me to be a, a higher ranked, I need to do this. Mm. So he's, he took a risk, right? See, and I think I've said this before, you have to commend him because people that have chased distance, there's, there's a very big graveyard of people's careers that have chased distance. He chased distance and he pulled it off. Like you have to put your, tip your heart to him because he had the stones to go and risk it, risked it all, mm. absolutely risked it all. And, but the thing is, though, it, it has also helps. 
drive the uh, the distance debate a little bit more because he's making a, a wee mockery of things. Um, but it, it exists as be, it, the discussion existed before he went and put on fifty kilos. Yeah, and you know tried to yeah. do something different. So people, yeah, it's been it's been there for ages. Yeah. People are saying ages. that oh, it's because of Bryson and he should be applauded for doing what he's doing. It's only because of him and you know. Back in Tiger's day, he had a physical advantage, so you know we still saw him hit it, blah blah blah. But it, it was there before Bryson put on forty pounds or whatever yeah. he put on yeah. to try yeah. and add, you know spend all that time in the gym and all that sort of thing. So it wasn't yeah. it's not Bryson uh, who's created this, you know. But he he's just worked out how to how to maneuver around it. So um, so yeah, it's a it's a interesting topic, and you know, of course, as you point out, the pros are going to say and be more aligned to the people that pay them. Um, the Webb Simpson commentary copped a lot of flack and I didn't understand it. You know, Rory had a different take on it and you know, he sort of distanced himself from the manufacturers but just saying, you know, let's put the money into the growth of the game and, you know, to some part of that he's probably right. But, you know, it's just going to go around and around and I'm not sure that there's going to be an outcome. I think, I, you know, it doesn't matter what I think, but I, I think there's opportunities for them to do something different at the pro level and it won't be to the detriment of what I do for a living won't be to the detriment of what the colleagues that come and visit me once on, once a week do. There's still going to be plenty, plenty of people playing golf and buying equipment. They're still going to be subscribing to brands of people. You know, these guys are human billboards. It, it doesn't matter if they're not hitting a 300 all the time. But the thing is, though, what's going to be interesting, what's going to, what's going to draw eyeballs is are we going to be able to play events at classic courses that interest people? Correct. Right? Here's the thing. A punter like me, I'm a complete nerd. And there's other people that are trying to get into it. And there's other people that I know that that they do get excited about playing some of these classic courses. But the thing is, though, they're not played on tour anymore because they're obsolete or they just can't sustain the professionals playing in these, in these events. Or the courses that can, they're not played the way they should be so we don't see some – we don't see a, a broader spectrum of – players, um, you know, showcasing their skills, guys that aren't the longest drivers, but they're able to contend because they're good ball strikers and put the eyes out of it. Rocket, we've, uh, we've rabbited on. Let's move on to the, let's roll. No, we've rolled on. What's your, what's your last Look, segment? The rabbit, the rabbit hole. The rabbit hole. I didn't write that down. Why didn't I write that down? Let's, we've rabbited on. No, that's where I knew where I was going. We've rabbited on. Let's go down to Rocket's rabbit hole. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so this week, there's some people that are probably thinking about um, exactly where I'm going to go with this one. Super Bowl week. They doubted the man. Man named the goat. The greatest of all time. Tom Brady. Don't ever bet against this man. He uses it as fuel. He's like Brooks, but goatier. Tom Brady at the age of 43 wins his seventh Super Bowl. Leaves the comfort of New England, looking for a new adventure. Goes to a team that basically has the worst record in the history of the league. Hasn't been to the playoffs in decade had the makings of a really good team but he went there and just said I want to come here 
and he went there and he transformed that organization because he's just that he has this belief system in himself and the people that he plays with and the people that he brings along with him. And it's like he needed to prove people wrong. Everyone just laughed at him thinking, what, he's 40, he's going to be 43. Why are you giving him a two year contract? But this man, it's like he just hears all the doubters and it's like just rocket fuel for him. Absolute rocket fuel. He has, he has, he has the belief in his own ability and he leaves no stone unturned. So my recommendation for the rabbit hole this week, and this is where it all starts, it's called the Brady Six. The Brady Six, number six. It's a 47-minute documentary on the journey of the legend that no one wanted. Talks about the six quarterbacks drafted before Tom Brady in 2000. He was third last picked. Round number six, pick 199, Tom Brady. The scouting report, there's a really good video when it talks about the scouting report and it was damning. But the thing is, though, there's one person that makes a comment on there and it was, he said, the one thing that you, you can't find in these persons, you can't open up their chest and see what's inside. Because what you what was inside is the heart of an absolute lion and an ultimate competitor and someone that was willing to do anything to get himself ready to be the best football player he was and lead the people around him. Tom Brady. He is the man. I love this man. And I'm dirty that my team, the 49ers, passed up on this man. Yes, we went to the Super Bowl. Yes, we had Jimmy G, Born Star Jimmy, or whatever they want to call him. But Tom Brady actually went to them first and said, I want to come home because he's from the area. His family were season ticket holders of the 49ers. And they said, no, nah, we're good, bro. Yep. What a great decision that was. Well, Tom Brady loves a game of golf. Is a, is a great golf story. Uh, oh, there's another. Well, actually, I'll talk a little bit of a tidbit. So, you know, the match two with, um, with Charles Barkley that was last year. Yep. Down at uh, the medalist. So about two hours before the match, he was in the car park doing sprints. And Charles Barkley went up to him and said, dude, what are you doing? And Tom replied to him. And this is a story that came from Trevor Immelman because he's in the car park. He said, I'm trying to win a Super Bowl, dude. There you go. Vindication right there. What he does, he just, he, he, he talks about it. He talks about everything he does is around football and preparing himself and being ready to be, to give the absolute best and extract everything from him and players follow him. They, they, they buy into it. People talk about the Patriot way. There's a former Patriot that won a couple of Super Bowls with Tom Brady and they said, Patriot way is not about the New England Patriots. The Patriot way is, that's Tom Brady. Tom Brady is the Patriot way. And the owner from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who was accepting the trophy said the man that should have this is Tom Brady because he taught us the way. He taught us how to be a winning organization. He taught us everything that we, this is why we are up here because of this man. Did you watch, did you watch the game? Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Went down to the Sporting Globe down in Chinside Park. Fantastic news facility. I did have um, one of my mates there with his laptop streaming KO so I could watch Brooksy play the last few holes. 
Big day. Did you have a couple I was of stressing um, out? I was stressing out watching Brooks. I'm like, oh, please don't be a playoff. The game's about to start. Did you have a couple of uh, frosty Sherbys? Yeah, I had a couple of Budweisers and, okay. and a nice Bricky Burger down there. Okay. It's really nice. Oh, very good. Oh, nice. Well, uh, I was at work and uh, didn't watch a minute of it. It was on TV, but I didn't watch a minute of it. But uh, it, you couldn't miss the uh, Tom Brady. Uh, there's about uh, there's about 500 people in that. What? However many people can hold can hold in the Sporting Globe? It's full. It was full. Socially distanced. to the brim. Socially distanced, of course. Um, but one one thing that I am a fan with of Tom Brady that he is in the plus forty category of winners. And if you are in a plus forty category of winners, you are up there in my standings. He's won, so he's won seven. I think he's won five of those. And one, two, three. He's won four of those since he turned thirty-seven. Even better. Unbelievable man. And he's gonna he reckons he'll play two forty five. Well he got laughed at three years ago when he said I'll play to one forty five. Well, let's hope he does. Rocket, we've gone well, well over time. We I know have... the structure's blown out. Matty Mollock is gonna be just like having a conniption. He'll he'll hear the start and he goes, Oh, they've got some structure. Well, he'll get about fifty minutes in and go, Oh my god, these boys have blown up again. Mm. Uh little shout out to Matty Mollock. I did see him on Sunday. Thanks for coming yeah. down to visit, Matty. Uh, he did. Uh, he was a recipient of the second of the My Love of Golf decals. Uh, we might have to work out what we're going to do with these decals, Rocket, that I organised. Hundreds of them. Um, I might have I've to. I've got some work colleagues that could that are fans of stickers on the laptops. There you go. Well, uh, we'll get them some decals. If you want a My Love of Golf decal, uh, beautifully designed decal by Stu Curry from uh, the Lynx Life Creative, who's one of the team of. The Lynx Diary uh, foursome over there in Scotland who make a wonderful product. But Stu Curry is a designer. He designed me a number of logos. I've had uh, two of those made into decals. And let's give some away. Email me. You have to email me. If you want a decal, I will post it to you in whatever part of the world you're in. I will post it to you. That's my commitment. Huge. Email me. Ross. And when you get it, take a photo of it and post it to the Instas and slam on a tag to my love of golf. Thanks, Rocket. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, thank you. Um, maybe it, maybe you throw a couple in there and see if they can put it in some interesting places. Oh, we're only appropriate. The the golf is journal. Yeah, only appropriate places, <laughs> but just, you know, maybe in a bar somewhere on someone's glass and someone's jugs. When I get my golfer's journal. No, they're, they're too expensive for that. These are high-quality stickers. They're not like the cheap paper ones. These are like the gloss, the, the satin finish. We're just trying to, spread the, we're just trying to yeah. spread the gospel of my love of golf. They're like the one you put on the back of your car, you know, like beautiful. Um, and you can put it wherever you want. If you if you want to email in, ross at myloveofgolf.com. Very simple, myloveofgolf.com. Ross, Ross is my name. I'm Ross. He's Ross. He's Rocket. Um. Uh, Golfers Journal do that. They slip a sticker in there and they say, look, this sticker is for you. Do not put it in your clubhouse uh, locker room in a place where people might find it. Do not put it on the bottom of someone else's bag. Do not put it on, and they've got listed off these places, which is obviously them saying, go and stick it somewhere. Go and stick it somewhere. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, my love, psychology. My, love my, it. My, my love of golf stickers, they're a thing. Email me. doesn't matter where you are in the world. I will post you uh, two of them. That's the pack. Two uh, wonderful banners made by Stu yeah, Curry. At least. Don't give these stickers to a celebrity to post to um, Instagram. That's what I'm saying to all, you know, I Sorry, don't want I'm anyone like, to give it no. to any celebrity no. to post to Instagram to tag us to get us more followers. I don't want anyone to do anything like that. I think it's shameless. Imagine if we got on the bottom of a tool bag, Rocket. Imagine if, imagine if it just, your radar 
radar was out there and the sticker was underneath. Don't want to cover the brand like, like that. Like the no-laying-up guys. They've got a few of the caddies out there that – um, Especially um, Matty Kelly at the Masters, he'd, he'd have the buttons undone. You can see the no laying up. Oh, that's next. Um, hats, hats and tees. There you go. Yeah, we're on. We've got the stickers. The hats and tees are coming. Uh, Rocket, been great to chat. Thanks. Uh, we've gone well over time, but um, anyway, it's always good. And we can. My it's wife. Good fun. My wife sits there and listens. And goes, you guys could talk. Uh, oh well, so we can. That's what mm. we do. All right, mate. We'll see you next time. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> the beast is still alive.